God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the chief sinner, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end time prophecy news. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe to the, to the Tribe, Tribe of Christians, Christians broadcast, either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, The Chief Sinner. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Tribal Christians Podcast. I am your host, the Chief Sinner. I have got an incredible message for you, a teaching right from the prophetic ministry of an Old Testament prophet you probably have never heard of and how this prophetic ministry saved all of Israel from the evil terror of King Ahab and Jezebel. Now, if you have your Bible with you, either on your phone or your computer, we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 37. That's 1 Kings chapters 22, verses 1 through 37. Now, most of us are very familiar with the story about King Ahab and Jezebel. We know who they are. King Ahab is one of the most wicked kings that Israel ever had, along with his wife Jezebel. And they were known for worshiping Baal. For misleading the entire nation of Israel, influencing them into idolatry. Ahab and Jezebel would manipulate God's word and pervert it. They would conduct child sacrifice and they were motivated by greed and the love of money. They would covet other people's property and do absolutely wicked things. And you know, we live in a very similar time and age today. Not too different than that time ago where folks are still manipulating the word of God to suit their very own needs, to suit their own sins and their own desires. Now at that time, it's when we learn about the famous prophet of Elijah, who brought down fire from heaven, destroying over 400 false prophets of Baal. It's an interesting scene. That's like being surrounded by all these false satanic worshipers and they're cutting themselves, being covered in blood, offering up child sacrifices to Baal, then going to the very front of them, proclaim the truth about God, and then bring down hellfire on everybody, leaving miles of blood and dead bodies. Now, someone the other day posted a question on Facebook and they asked, how do you know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking? A lot of people had a lot of answers to that question, and it's a very good question. Somebody said, the Holy Spirit never speaks anything that would contradict the Bible. Another person said, it's an overwhelming feeling of love. And I'm over here thinking, well, how in the heck did Elijah know to go down to Mount Carmel, 
and rain down hellfire and kill over 450 people who were Satanists. I wonder how Elijah perceived the Spirit of the Lord. And I believe that there is a mighty move on a remnant of people living today who have not bound down to a false idol, who have not compromised the Word of God. They love the truth. They love the people. They love the world. And they love God with all of their hearts and all their might and soul. And it's these very people who God is going to pour out His Holy Spirit upon and do miraculous works that bring about another great revival, just like in Acts chapter 2. Now, God is known for doing some seriously crazy and controversial stuff. And it seems like a lot of things in which God did or said back then would be a complete contradiction to the beliefs of the church in today's present time. It's no wonder why people are wondering where in the world are the miracles? Where in the world is the power of the word of God that healed the sick and raised people from the dead? And yet perhaps the very power of God has always been available but it's not perceived because people have the completely wrong idea about God and who God is. So you don't ever recognize when the word has come because it's too controversial for them. Now my message doesn't focus on the prophet Elijah, but rather it focuses on another prophet, a much less popular prophet, but a very well-known prophet who was known and despised for the truth. Many of us probably have never heard of him before, but his legacy was truth. And it was his unwavering faith and obedience to speak that truth, which ultimately led to the death of Ahab and Jezebel, freeing up the entire nation of Israel. Now, the title of my message is called Getting Thrown Out of Church. Now, before I can get to my message and talk about this incredible man of God, I've got to give you the backstory and the context of what is happening right before this man enters the scene. So King Ahab and Jezebel are ruling from Samaria, and the Lord has been waiting for the right moment to bring them down. King Ahab wanted the vineyard of a devout man named Naboth that was conveniently located right next to the palace where he wanted to plant a garden. And the king offered Naboth money or a better vineyard for that land. And Naboth turns down the offer because Naboth is a devout and righteous man. This means that this man did not take for granted what the Lord gave to him. He didn't compromise. He didn't settle. He wasn't afraid of Ahab and Jezebel. He wasn't like them. He couldn't be bought. He couldn't be intimidated. He couldn't be misled. He couldn't be compromised. He was a man who stood on God's promises and valued who God is and what God gave him. Now, Jezebel, the queen, urged Ahab to take a more drastic action because of this. So she came up with a scheme to get rid of Naboth by finding false witnesses to bring charges up against him and then have him executed. This cleared the way for them to take the possession of Naboth's land. So the Lord hears and sees everything that's going on. And he says, here is the perfect timing. So he calls up Elijah to give word to Elijah concerning what has happened. Because one way or another, God honors his word. He protects his promises. He is a faithful and just God, true to his word, faithful to it. He fulfills every letter and word and dot and everything in his complete word. And although the man was killed, he was executed. Here is God avenging his very promises. And here he is avenging the faith of Naboth. 
1 Kings chapter 21, verses 17 through 19. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in the boss vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Now you see here, who God says that the land belongs to? And although Ahab and Jezebel have killed Naboth and have gone to take possession of his land, the Lord says that the land still belongs to Naboth. Now politicians can do everything in their power to legalize sin, to make sin public and acceptable in the public eye, but sin is still sin in the eyes of the Lord. And it's like what's going on in Israel today. Politicians and governments can try to divide the God's land up and say who it belongs to. They can try and give it away or sell it. But the land will always belong to God and God's chosen people, Israel. So say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs lick up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. 1 Kings 21, 17 through 19. There are times when evil things begin to flourish like what we are seeing today. And you start seeing wicked things happening all around you. And you start seeing people manipulating God's word to serve their own purposes. And it may feel like you're completely surrounded by evil people. You might feel like you're the only one. You might start to wonder, what is the point of serving God? You might begin to question if God really cares about you, if God really is faithful to his own word. And you might start to wonder why God is letting all of these evil things prosper and these wicked people get away with murder and all these evil things. And then you start to question everything that you knew or thought you knew about God. But then, just as it was here with Ahab and Jezebel, just when you think, Wicked is prospering. Evil is prospering. God starts to remind you there are more for you than there are against you. When you're surrounded by an army of wicked people, God opens your eyes to see his mighty armies of angels in their flaming chariots of fire. And then you start to realize and believe that all things really do work out for the good of those who love Christ Jesus, because God is raising up Elijah's and Elisha's. God is raising up a remnant, and God is raising up men and women who have the spirit of David and the spirit of God upon them. Now the Apostle Paul said, For I have gained the secret to being contempt in any and all situations, rather in much or little, that when I am weak, he is strong. Therefore I can do all things through Christ Jesus, who gives me strength. He is near to the humble, but opposes the proud. The poor are blessed. The meek will inherit the kingdom of heaven. God is near to the brokenhearted. Though a thousand wicked people are rising up, there was a man whom God raised up by the name of Elijah, who refused to bow and refused to worship another God. There was a man named Naboth, and it was because of his death, God, the word, came to Elijah. And though you may be, and though these wicked people might be many, though they might be rich, though they might have thousands of offerings and songs and all this stuff, it was the death of a human man named Naboth that moved the heart of God. It was the obedience of a socially outcasted, rugged prophet that became the instrument. God hears the cry of the weak and the humble and moves on behalf of the broken. So when it seems that you're surrounded, 
When it seems like God doesn't hear you, when it seems like you're at the end of your rope and Ahaz and Jezebel are taking your property and they're bringing up false witnesses against you, when you've lost your job, when cancer has struck, when tragedy has risen up, when people persecute you, David said, I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You may not see it and you may not, it may not seem like anything is happening, but the power of God through the spirit of Elijah is rising up. And perhaps you're one of those people who are going with the crowd, just as it was at that time with Israel and following the popular belief. And they're calling Elijah crazy. They're calling him stupid or a liar and they're outcasting him. And maybe... Or perhaps you're one of the people who would have done differently than Naboth. Maybe you would have taken the money. Maybe you would have taken the better vineyard. Well, it's time for the church to wake up and take a good look around and see which side of the fence that they truly belong to. Because sometimes it's the humble man like Naboth who stood his ground. Or it's that one crazy person like Elijah that didn't quite fit in, that doesn't quite go with the norm. And God's holy fire has fallen on that person to reset to normal, to shake up the kingdom, to bring revelation and truth to the situation, because sometimes that's the person God is using. So the Lord sent a word through Elijah to prophesy judgment and death to the evil king of Ahab and Jezebel, which brings me to my message, my main message and topic point, 1 Kings chapter 22. Starting in verse 1, the word of the Lord reads, for three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel has said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth, Gilead, belongs to us? And yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram. So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth, Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am yours. My people are as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. Now notice that this passage starts off by emphasizing that there had been three years of peace between Israel and Aram. Now just because there is peace doesn't mean it's a real peace. It's a false peace because the word of the Lord tells us that true peace comes from the Lord it's one of the characteristics and aspects of the Holy Spirit, and it's obtained through faith and obedience to the Word of God. Now, there was a prophet by the name of Daniel who prophesied about the end times and the rise of the Antichrist. And the prophet Daniel said that when they announce peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them because your eyes can deceive you. Your feelings can mislead you. And just because everything seems to be okay doesn't mean that everything actually is in fact okay. Just because it's okay with you and everybody else doesn't mean it's okay with God. Because though it appears to be peace, but yet everybody is living a lie. And everyone is offering up sacrificial baby offerings to Satan. And just because everyone is doing the same thing doesn't mean that that's the way that it's supposed to be. Because it's when you least expect it, God moves. And just like it was in the times of Noah, when people were being given in marriage and living in complete darkness and wickedness, yet there was a man named Noah who was building an ark and in a time that never rained in the middle of a desert. And then suddenly the gates of heaven opened up and it rained like a great hurricane or rushing water and flooded the entire earth. 
And just like it was in the times of Sodom and Gomorrah, the people were living in complete darkness and wickedness. They were having irregular relationships with men and women. They were conducting acts of evil and violence against their own bodies and the bodies of other people. It was when they least expected it, when they thought that everything was okay, that God wasn't going to do anything, when the heavens opened up and hellfire rained down on those cities and turned the entire thing into dust. When you least expect it, God will move like a sudden wind. Now, don't think for a second that God isn't listening. That God does not care. That God doesn't know. Because God is at the very doorstep. And his great move is just a breath away. And then the shakening comes. People start raising up. Rising up to the possibility of war. Something isn't right. Something needs to be done. Something and somebody should do something about this. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets. About 400 men and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There is still one prophet, though, whom we can acquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, here once. So, and although this word originated with Elijah, there's also another prophet included in this story, one that many of us have never heard of before. There are many of us out there who are unknowns. We're not famous, we don't have a big platform. And there are Elijahs, and there are some unknowns too. And God uses the one who isn't as famous just as much as the one who is famous. So another word comes to the prophet Micaiah. Now he may not be famous like Elijah is. He may not have, been, he may not have called down fire from heaven, but he is still well known enough by the king, by Jehoshaphat. And he says, he never has anything good to say about me. So this tells me that he's well known, but he's not well popular. He speaks the truth. The truth isn't always popular, but when you stand upon the truth of God, bring some situations up where people then can become desperate for the truth and they know that you are a truth speaker. So go get the truth speaker, he's saying. Now you might be in a situation where you're well known for the truth and people hate you for it because it's that truth that condemns lies. The truth brings judgment and conviction of wrongdoing. It brings conviction to the manipulators and evildoers. And that's why the word of God is also called the sword of God. It's alive. It's active. The word of God penetrates with truth. It brings death to lie and brings life to truth. Jehoshaphat replied, so the king of Israel called one of his officials and he said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. And dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Armenians until they are destroyed. And all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hands. 
The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth, Gilead, or not? Attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it to the king's hand. And the king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he never has, he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? And Micaiah continued, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? And then one suggested this and another that. And finally, a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And by what means, the Lord asked, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all of his prophets, he said. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster on you. Now I showed you in the very beginning of this message that how the Lord does the most craziest and controversial things. You read it right there in the very last verse. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all of these prophets of yours. Don't presume that you know God because God is truly beyond our theology. He is beyond our understanding. He is beyond our religion. Just when you think you know God, here he is, God of the universe, sending out Satan to speak lies through these self-proclaimed prophets. So if you want to gain the true perspective, if you want to truly perceive the true word of God, you've got to have an open mind and you've got to get out of your theology. You've got to get out of your religion. There is a mighty and great deception going on throughout the entire church, throughout the whole world. I hear and see it in every single worship service everywhere I go. And everywhere I go, there are always these groups of people that start preaching Matthew 18, 20. And they're saying, wherever two or more gather in my name, there I am with them. And they start rousing up their spirits in the name of the Lord. But just because you're in agreement with the multitude, just because the multitude of people are saying the very same exact thing, that does not mean that it's from the Lord. You can raise your hands up. You can shout at the top of your lungs. You can weep the most emotional tears you've ever mustered up. You can sing the most beautiful songs to the Lord You can that you can think of. You might have the most elaborated worship services, and you might have the largest church, and you might have the best-looking buildings, and you might have the most successful career or making the most money. But just because everything appears to be right, and just because things seem to be going good in your favor, and just because all these people are prophesying all the same thing to you does not mean that it is true or that it's from the Lord and it doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that it's actually from the Lord. And may I suggest to you that perhaps the very possibility exists that if the Lord is there among you, that what you are doing, 
What you are saying exists for the sole purpose to deceive you, to entice you into battle, that the true words of God are fulfilled, and that perhaps the very things and the very people you are mistreating, the very people that you are speaking out against, the very people you are calling a liar and are prophesying against are the actual true men and women of God, which God is using to bring the word of the Lord into fulfillment against yourself. Now be careful of who you listen to, be careful about who you follow, and consider every person in every way that is before you, especially when it seems like there is nothing going on, that there's no conflict and no war, and it seems like there is nothing but peace and success. If there's not a fight going on in a person's life, if there's not a struggle happening somewhere, if there's not persecution occurring and there's absolutely no opposition in that person's life, then perhaps it's because the true enemy is not Satan, but that the true enemy is God and Satan is a liar. And it's in fact the word of God that Satan is opposing. Now, Jesus didn't have a pillow to lay his head on. He didn't have the riches of money or a house built. His heavenly Father's kingdom was his riches, and he lived according to the kingdom of heaven and not of earth. He was opposed greatly, but those who followed him were greatly blessed, and the power of God reared on, the, on their very lives. Demons were cast out by the shadow of Peter. People were healed by the handkerchief of Paul. The things that people seem like the poorest or most controversial are the ones who are in fact the most riches and have the most peace. The true word of God gives boldness to the ones who speak it and stand upon its foundation. No storm can overtake them, and their foundation is as a sturdy as a rock. And just because it may appear like the entire world of evil is prospering, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. When you go to speak that word, when you go to stand upon that word and yet you get laughed at and you get mocked and made fun of and you get hated and rejected because of it, Paul says... Consider it all pure joy when facing these things because it's producing faith. And faith brings down fire from heaven. Faith brings down the walls around cities. Faith builds an ark in a desert and faith raises the dead. People are asking, how do you know if it's God? God wouldn't do this and God wouldn't do that. But it says it right there in verse 23. The Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster. And I bet you never thought that God would do that. I bet you never thought that God would put a lie in the mouths of people that their eyes and ears are hidden. The prophet Daniel prophesied concerning the end times. Jesus prophesied about the false prophets that would rise in the end times. And the Bible prophesies that God will send another deceiving spirit in the form of the Antichrist to proclaim a false peace in order to completely deceive the whole world because of the world's wickedness and preparation for judgment. Yes, the Lord will do that. Yes, the Lord has done it before. And Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1.9, What has happened will happen again, and there is nothing new under the sun. Then Zedekiah went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which way did the Spirit of the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you? And he asked, Micaiah replied, You will find out on the day you go to hide in an inner room. And the king of Israel then ordered, Take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and send Joash, the king's son, and say, this is what the king says, put, his, put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. And then Micaiah declared, if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. 
Then he added, Mark my words, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Aram had ordered his 32 chariot commanders, do not fight with anyone, small or great, except the king of Israel. And when the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, surely this is the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him. But when Jehoshaphat cried out, the chariot commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel and stopped pursuing him. But someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. All day long, the battle raged, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Armenians, and the blood from his wound ran onto the floor of the chariot, and that evening he died. As the sun was setting, a cry spread through the army, every man to his town, every man to his land. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried him there. They washed the chariot at, at a pool in Samaria where the prostitutes bathed, and the dogs licked up his blood as the word of the Lord had declared. And they slapped Micaiah in the face. They mocked him. They chained him up and they threw him out and into the prison. But as he was going, as they were taking him, he went out with the presence of the Lord and he stood firm on that word. And he said, mock my words. He could have turned the other way. He could have fought back. He could have apologized or lied to spare his life from imprisonment. But he knew that God is faithful that the glory of the Lord is greater in times that require the most faith when all else seems like it has failed. Look up to the mountains and know where your help comes from. He didn't compromise the truth. He didn't sell out. He didn't run away. He didn't settle. He knew that God was bringing about change, that God was bringing an end to tyranny and idolatry. He knew that there was change on the horizon and that God was moving on behalf of his word. When the spirit of the Lord came to Elijah. Elijah was able to perceive it because he understood and knew the times. Elijah knew the truth. He was able to discern the lies and to see the idolatry. Elijah loved God. He loved the word of the Lord. He loved the people of God. His love for God was greater than the intimidation of the enemies of God. Naboth was a man who valued the promises of God. He didn't compromise. He didn't cave in to intimidation. He didn't give in to the compromise. He wasn't influenced by money or greed or possessions or riches. And the glory of God was revealed through his life. And Micaiah was a prophet of truth, a man of principle. He told the truth because God's word was more important than his very own life. And he was thrown out because of it. Now you might be in a position of Naboth. You might have the vineyard. You might have the place right next to the palace and somebody wants what you have. The word of the Lord is more valuable than all the riches of the world. It can't be bought. Don't compromise the truth for riches. Don't settle the truth for a better vineyard because there is no better vineyard that exists that's greater than the Lord's vineyard. Or you might be in the position of Micaiah and you might think you might be the prophet who has the word of the Lord carrying the very truth that is unpopular. Don't compromise the word of the Lord for the sake of the popular belief. If the truth has made you undesirable, then be desirable to God. If love has made you unwanting, then be wanting to the Lord. And if speaking the truth in love gets you thrown out, 
then get thrown out into the presence of the Lord because he is near to the brokenhearted. He is near to the humble. He is near to the poor and the contrite in heart. The Lord humbles the proud but exalts the humble. And it's all right if you don't quite fit in. It's okay if everyone else thinks your faith is crazy. Don't be like everybody else. Because it's usually the most different and unpredictable things that God speaks and does that ultimately separate the truth from the fiction. That determines who is really listening and who isn't. Who is really from the Lord and who isn't. God will at times do a thing that is unbelievable. That seems completely out there and different than what everybody else is saying. Different. And that's because he wants to see who is real and who isn't. And when you stand upon that truth, when you're unwavering in your faith, when you are completely reliant upon the very strength and the mercy of the Lord, it is in those very moments when the glory of the Lord is unveiled. It is in times of uncertainty and invulnerability surrounded by complete darkness and weakness that God's power is made perfect and magnified. As Paul said, I would boast of my weakness because Christ's power is perfected in my weakness. The church was never built for this place. It was never designed for comfort, for prestigious buildings, for the abundance of wealth. The church wasn't designed to be confined in four walls and to meet one or two days of the week. The church was designed for the Great Commission, to carry the gospel message throughout the entire world. That was the church's purpose. The church wasn't designed to be like Starbucks. The kingdom of God operates differently than the world. It's a kingdom of possibilities. When the world says it's not possible, but God's word says it is. When the kingdom, when the world's kingdom says that the riches belong to what it defines riches and that success is in the amount of wealth that you have, but yet the kingdom of God says the most richest person is the person who builds their life upon Christ. Let this world, let this word move you into a realm of such a great love for God and a great love for the world that you are willing to do whatever it takes to see that love reach the furthest places, the most unlikely places, to see it prosper in the most unexpected places. And if that's you today, if your heart has been moved, maybe you're facing great opposition to the truth. Maybe you have faced great resistance to what God is really speaking and doing, and you face persecution for it, or maybe you face judgment for it, or maybe you've been kicked out and rejected because of that truth. I want you to know that you're not alone. There is an entire world of people out there, a remnant of God's people who are with you, that won't bow, that aren't afraid, and they're full of God's love. They're full of God's word and his Holy Spirit. And that moment is coming upon us where a great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit is about to be poured out upon. There is an eternal glory waiting for those who stand upon God's truth and His Word. Stay the course. Don't give up. Don't be be discouraged. For just like what happened in 1 Kings 22, God's Word will surely come to pass and His eternal glory will be revealed. He lives, He is listening. God cares. He loves you. He is present and He hasn't abandoned you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your Son, Jesus. I thank you for your precious Holy Spirit and for your Word. 
And I ask that you strengthen each of us who are being kicked out because of your word. And I ask that you encourage those who are fighting the good fight. And we ask that you bring unity of your people and let us not stop running the good race. And we thank you for all you are doing, all for you have done, and all you will do. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you can hear more great teachings just like this one on our website at Tribe of Christians and also on our Facebook page. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast to get future updates and help share the gospel message around the world. This concludes this message. I am the chief sinner with the Tribe of Christians. And may God bless you and continue to be with you always.